Welcome. Hey, everybody. My name's Chris Covert. I'm your host today. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I'm here in the studio with uh, none other than Ken Krantz. Am I pronouncing that right? Krantz? You son of a bitch. What? <laughs> I've been hey, here so many times. I know Chip's Chip's not in today, and you're becoming like my like like the fill-in co-host. I'm like Joan Rivers. Yes, on your on the Tonight Show. Right, kind of, kind of, a little. Right, yeah. You're like Joan Rivers, but not. Whoa, the, you gotta. That's awesome. You're, <laughs> you're wearing an I Love Rock and Roll shirt with Chris Covert. Yeah. Oh, we got to get a picture of that. that is you awesome. it over. son of a bitch! You're just you're just hijacking my show. Absolutely, he, he was 100%. hiding that shirt on the way. <laughs> he was no, I had no idea. He just unbuttoned slowly. May, he may did. I add. That is hilarious. <laughs> They're already awesome. available on my website. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing is, I know you're going to ask for my help selling these after your shows, <laughs> like today. Yeah, out in the out in the lobby. I love that. Did you get Are one you with my name on? Signing them? You, me and Chip are edging you out. Slowly. <laughs> I'm like... A good thing, too, because I'm almost out of awesome musicians to bring on. <laughs> well, yeah, as... <laughs> I did not expect that. We got to get a picture of that. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Since you did bring in... to me to do a visual joke on a podcast. Yeah. Because who can pull that off? Yeah. Well. It's like... <laughs> It's like when ventriloquy, it's like when, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dunham. Um, George. Oh. Jeff Dunham releases albums. Yeah. And it's like, you're a ventriloquist act. Why? I feel like there's a huge part of it missing. Yeah, a little bit. Um, why don't you introduce our guest today, since it's your show and you were nice enough, <laughs> and you were nice enough to bring him in. I love podcast. I love that shirt. I can't say, I'm... Now, when we you first told me about this idea for this podcast, mm -hmm. I said, you got to get this guy on. It was yes, a, you it did. Was the you did. The first one I, I thought of, and the third one I'm bringing on here, but <laughs> just scheduling uh, issues. But yeah, how did I become the third? Because you're I, I was in Sturgis, you're, you're torn all over the friggin' place, nailing you down is <laughs> he's still He's still trying to hijack my second record. I'll chalk it up. <laughs> you're going to give me a shout out, though, of right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I've known this guy, I saw him first perform, I knew him before I saw him perform. Early '90s, yeah. a little place called Buck Smiths. Yep. Wow. It's crazy. It's insane. So I have I have brought to you and all of your listener <laughs> Matt O'Ree, the Matt O'Ree. Matt O'Ree, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. From the Matt O'Ree band. That's me. Yeah. That no, sounds weird, doesn't it? Not to me. It's, I not, guess not. it's not my name. That's true. <laughs> you don't want it anyway. <laughs> if it was the Ken Krantz band, I would be like, that's fucking weird. Yeah, that would, that would be very strange. Yeah. And um, also, uh, you did a tour with Bon Jovi. Was I it did. one or two tours? Just one. We had uh, we had David Bryan in here last week. I, I saw. I yeah. Saw. yeah. And I, I, he was so helpful. I texted him. I was like, hey, any good stories I should ask Matt about? <laughs> and he texts back, yeah, ask him about Bon Jovi. He knows all the stories. I was like, well, that, that's super helpful. And that, that narrows it down. <laughs> He's done a lot in... in uh, 
I forget what year it was. I think around 2005 or something. He won the Gibson uh, Guitar Mageddon. Yes, I was I was watching that on YouTube this morning. Oh, right on. And it yeah. wasn't. I mean, you talk a contest was like four thousand other guitarists that he ended up beating out and got to. Did you open for BB King? Or it was because uh, of that, or how it went. It was it was sort of the. American Idol mm-hmm. <laughs> version of guitar players, yeah. for guitar players, through Guitar Center. They were the one hosting it, uh, along with Guitar World magazine, and Gibson was one of the huge sponsors for it. And um, they uh, they structured it in a way of different rounds. And if you made it to the last round, which was the fifth round for this particular comp- competition, was in uh, Chicago, and B.B. King was the headliner for the show. So essentially we opened for BB King with the contest. Right. Yeah. But then we all got a chance to meet BB backstage, which was the greatest that, thing. And yeah. He was just the absolute the most incredible gentleman. Is the like just humble as can be. Just, you know, his his you know, his hand was like a, a mitten. Yeah. Like yeah. an up glove. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like shaking his hand it was just like Oh my God! It's just That's amazing. An, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, and then they came out with the winner, and Cheech Marin was the MC. You know, and he was <laughs> oh, hysterical. Like, I mean, he was he was really on point that night. You know, um, awesome. And then you know, and then BB BB came out with John Mayer, and John, so John was hanging around backstage and got a chance to chat with him. And he's tall. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm he, he's tall because I'm short. <laughs> really, but but he had some nice encouraging words for for me too, and you know he was he was a great guy. That is, and to meet these people as a upcoming guitarist, well, sure, you were already established. Let's I mean let's I mean, be honest. I mean here in New Jersey, you know, I mean all that time too, you know, with all the different inclination inclinations of the band mm-hmm. member wise, you know, we we've been touring as much as we possibly can and could and do as much as we possibly can all these years, you know, so right. it wasn't just New Jersey, but it seemed like it was New Jersey just because we've known each other forever. For sure. Know? So, um, but that, that was a, a real good shot in the arm for my career to get to, hey, now people in Florida are actually wanting to book us because I won something substantial. Right. Yeah. You know, and that put me in Guitar World magazine and was a spread about me in there, which was great. And, you know, I wasn't nude or nothing, you know, it would have been weird, but, you know, <laughs> but it was a spread. <laughs> did, on the least. Did, did you grow a breed in Guitar World? I did. Yeah. yeah. So that had yeah. to have been really surreal, right? Really cool for me. It was Guitar World and, and the old publication of Guitar for the Practicing Musician, which is long gone. Mm-hmm. But th- those were the two that I was always getting, you know, in, in high school and you know, seventh and eighth grade, that was the magazine to get, you know. So that was, it was so cool to meet the editor and, yeah. you know, do the whole, you know, pictures it's and all that stuff. Feel, it was, finally. It, that's yeah. what it felt like, finally. Because I grew up reading Playboy, and every time I see a naked girl, I'm like, finally. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's life-assuring. And so, yeah, it was it was great, you know. And it was, I mean, just a, a competition of that... <laughs> Nature or that caliber, especially guitar players. I mean, the running running joke is, how many guitar players does it take to screw in a light bulb? And it only takes one, and the other ten stand around saying, "I could do it better." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know the, the egos of most guitar players, and I I like to think of myself as as ego free. I try to be humble as yeah. can be, and that's just how I was raised. You, you know, but totally are. It's like you can't not root for you. 
Well, thanks. Just, just by meeting you and then to hear you play, you're amazingly talented. Oh, thank you. I bet there was 4,000 other guys in that contest not rooting for you. No. That's, that was my, my point was as the, as the rounds went by, yeah, the, the looks and the attitude, you know, quickly changed, you what, know. And, like, and honestly, in, in the, the, you know, the last round, the final round, after all the rehearsing and practicing I did, I had mistakes. And I and I, I was like I was I was bummed at myself because I didn't feel like I played the, to the best of my ability. And the guitar went slightly out of tune. Every time I watch that video you watch, I'm like, ah, you know, I get mad. But it's it was just you can. It's hear one of those it, things that happened, and yeah. I'm like, crap. How did that happen after yeah. all this practicing? You know, you know, getting ready for that. It was really like you know, training to be in in a fight. Yeah. You know, it was like never showing my strategy when we went from you know, from round to round because I knew that I was going to see these people. In the next round, because it was like elimination down to two people right. or three people, or whatever. So, you know, getting to the next round wasn't like you're not the only guy who got to the next round. So that person already saw what you did the the previous competition. Right. So every time I had to keep changing my strategy, so it wasn't so nobody knew what I was going to do. Right. You know, and and vice versa, they were doing the same thing too. So, but um, anyway, to watch that performance, I'm still kind of like, ah, I could have done that so much better, but. But I guess it was good enough to win. Actually, good enough to Rick, win. Rick Nielsen was one of our judges. Oh, was he? Yeah, and, and I met Rick then. I mean, he's he's a kook. Yeah, but so he's, much fun. He's a real like rock and roll oh, character, right? <laughs> Absolutely. He brought out a new guitar. I, I I was there. They played the Basie last week. He he brought out a new guitar after every single song, <laughs> and they were getting more and more outlandish. And then he's got like that the four five, neck, five neck five guitar, neck, and it's yeah. like, dude, your arm can't even. Re- you're only <laughs> no. playing two of them. I know. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's you wonder where Spinal Tap got their information from, right? <laughs> Great movie. I saw uh, in an interview you gave for that where where you said I think you said you were about thirteen and your older brother gave you a copy of uh, Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? Are you right? experienced? And that's what that was. And I didn't quite play just yet, but even I knew that that was special. Yeah. You know? And like you know, the kid up the street from us got Van Halen one, mm-hmm. and hearing Eruption, you know. And the only thing I heard prior to that was my parents' music of Willie Nelson, Wailing Jennings, which was great right. music. Right. Good foundation to have. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Right. Yeah. But now I do, you know. But hearing Eruption for the first time was like, wow, what is that? Like I. I feel I feel like I had the ability to hear even back then before I even played. You know, at least recognize I knew that was special. Yeah. Right. You know, so and then getting that Hendrix record, it was like, wow, I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's good or good or bad, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> is there is there a more perfect debut than that first Van Halen album? Ugh, I don't think so. It's it's one of those where do you go from here? Yeah. Kind of things. Yeah. And as much as I love the records that came after, they didn't compare to that for no. one. T- Sound-wise, tone-wise, all those things, yeah. performance, they're still great. God, fair warning is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, women and Children First, but... Those are the ones yeah. that nobody ever talks about either. I know. Yeah. And that's, that's to me, my other favorites, because it's not so overplayed. You know, you're not going to hear fools on the, on the radio too much. No. You know, Romeo Delight, but yeah. but that first record, man, talk about out of the park. Yeah, is, is it defeating when? Uh, does it feel? Defe- I feel like sometimes as a comic, I'm writing something. I'm like, this, somebody had to do this already. Sure. Like, the, where do you find the originality 
to do, to mm-hmm. write, to, you know, for anything, all from life experience or I guess that's... Def- I mean, definitely, it, you know, us writing music, I write a lot with my wife now because we play together and she's mm-hmm. in the band, you know, and it's great writing with her and I still Beautiful. write with other people like David Bryan and it's always great to collaborate with people, but it's, you know, we're, but I'm always thinking like, yeah, I think this sounds like something. Yeah. You know, but then at the same time, who remembers that anyway? Yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 tough because um, um you probably listen to so much music and then like sometimes I don't know how it is for you but sometimes with joke writing a joke will just appear in my brain out of nowhere fully formed. Wow. Like just out of nowhere and then I have to really think is that just a thought that popped into my head or did I hear somebody do it on stage at a show years ago and it stayed in my subconscious and it's same for music too. Yeah. You know, like if I, for instance, I love government mule, one of my favorite. Yeah bands that are still currently playing and met Warren numerous times and chatted with him, you know, same thing too. Greatest guy in the world, nicest, humblest person, what a great musician. I mean, his career is just, you know, it's incredible what he's done with it, you know, and and I love his writing, so like, one day I'll be like, you know, I really want to write a song like Warren did here, so I'll listen to it a bazillion times, and and eventually it will influence me. Yeah. You know, and whether that's consciously or subconsciously, eventually that'll happen. Right, but also you play a lot of blues-based music. I do, yeah. So it's there's only so much you can do, I would think. Sure, absolutely. You know, absolutely. so it's, it's I like all blues sort of sound like. Yes, they all sound yeah. the same. Yeah, like you know, like like an old Johnny John Lee Hooker record. Right, like <laughs> the song fades out and then fades back in, and it's the different song title, but it's the same song. <laughs> like, that's cool. <laughs> I was I was watching you and your wife do some cover songs yeah. on uh, on YouTube, and I was thinking like it's so it's so great that musicians get to cover songs like that. You fall in love with a song. Sure. Like I was watching you guys do "Bring It On Home to Me" by Sam Cooke. Yeah. And I was thinking like I wish comics had like I wish I'm a cover comic. Yeah. <laughs> like not even just a, but like just oh this. Here's one by a comic you made, but it's like if you do that as a comic, you you get run out of the business. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's it, like there's a couple jokes that I've heard people do where I'm like, oh god, I wish I could tell that on stage. That's yeah, <laughs> put my spin on it. And sure. Well, how many times after the show does, does some drunk come up and say? Tell you a joke that Robin Williams did yeah. in the '80s, and say, and then they follow it up with, "You can use that." Yes. <laughs> like, okay, let me go yeah. and do yes. that because I know where you got it. It's from. always super racist. <laughs> Every it's I I get up. I don't do I don't do any jokes about race, and then inevitably some drunk guy will always be like, oh, I got a great joke you're going to love. And then it's written like, do I just have a racist face? Because I didn't, I wasn't telling any, I wasn't talking about anything like that. Yeah. And it's, it's always some joke that you're never in a million years going to even repeat, uh-huh. much less use. <laughs> exactly. The drunks we deal with. <laughs> so fun. And then, um, so I was watching that, that clip of you winning, um, and you did something very interesting that I'd never seen because so many guitar players do the the Chuck Berry's duck walk. Sure. 
Um, but you did the duck walk playing the guitar through your leg. Like it was, yeah. it was. <laughs> and like I said, all that practicing, you should have seen me in my condo practicing that with the, you know, the curtains closed so no, my neighbors don't walk by. Yeah, like, that's what is wrong with him. You right. have to practice. But yeah, yeah you have, have to practice that. To. You can't just go out for a contest and say, well, I'm going to try doing the duck walk, but playing it through my legs. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it required some balance. It's <laughs> fun to, to see Matt. You know he's having a good time, so everybody has a good time. Oh, thanks. I've never seen you not have a good time. You're doing what you love, and everybody knows it. And there's a sense of that with, with comedy, too. You can tell if someone's struggling or you know, when the room gets awkward or something. He's oh, Matt's always having a good time. Are you having a good time? I am. Good. I'm having a good time right now. <laughs> um, I heard you also, you got in trouble as a teenager for shoplifting uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yep. And I, I told that story back then. I remember someone's comment on the YouTube video before they disabled the comments. Yes. <laughs> that it was like, well, he doesn't seem like a good person because he was promoting shoplifting. I'm like, no, uh, I was telling the <laughs> truth. <laughs> uh, really? I was promoting Stevie Ray. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, that's, how, that's how good it yes, was. Eh? Yeah, it was so good. I, I couldn't know. even wait to have money to bring it home. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Oops. How did, how did you... Um, did you arrive at the blues? Like, the way I learned about the blues was through a lot of those British invasion bands. Sure, absolutely. You know, like, the, the like I always say, like, like you had that moment with um, Jimi Hendrix experience. Are yeah. you experienced? For me, it was being 13. I've told this story a million times. But for me, it was being 13. Uh, I'd smoked a joint, and my brother gave me a copy of uh, David Live. Bowie at the yeah. Tower Theater, and I put on stereo headphones, and it just blew my mind wow. from from the first note. I also had that feeling like, oh, this is what I want to do, but then it turns out you also need like a degree of talent, <laughs> which which I didn't possess, uh, which is which is why I was like, maybe I should learn how to tell a dick joke instead. <laughs> but um, a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> But Bowie, like, you couldn't get, like, Bowie's influences weren't clear, sure. you know, but... Uh, all over the place. I went from Bowie, the next big band that I really got into was The Stones, my favorite band to this yeah. day. But they were so vocal about their influences that it, it forced me to work backwards. Sure. You know, after I'd burned through The Stones and read all those interviews. Yep, and absolutely. And I was like, oh, now I need to check out Muddy Waters and I need to yep. check out <laughs> Howling Wolf. And is is that how you... De definitely was. You know, from the, from the Hendrix thing, you know, I mean, when I was 13, there wasn't the internet, so how do you find out information on Jimi Hendrix except for Guitar World magazine? So I was going to public libraries trying to find you know books on Hendrix and and um, you know VHS tapes on you know uh, Blockbuster. So and anything that influenced Jimi, I was interested in, and that, that's what sucked me down the road of Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf, and and, and same with Hen you know with um, Zeppelin too. Yeah, with, most of Zeppelin one was you know Willie Dixon. Yeah, you know so you know but learning about that, like where where did these guys get it from? You know so even young I was doing that, but it, you know that Stevie Ray Vaughan tape. Live Alive that I mm -hmm. clipped. Oh, it's so good. Uh, that's great. And I, I was just, you know, and my Walkman, you know, going to school, you know, just got sucked into the feel 
at how good it made me feel when I listened to him play the guitar. Oh man, he's and and that was like I I want to pursue this kind of thing, you know, blues wise. Yeah, because it just it just made sense to me. Yeah, there's a great mm-hmm. clip of him. Uh, I forget what song he's playing. You know, behind the back, he was. Oh, he's doing. Yeah, I uh, broke a string. In the middle of the song, they come switch out his guitar. He, oh, he, saw that, he yeah. doesn't even miss a beat. It was amazing. Yep. And you're just like hats off to his. You tech. forget you're even hearing music. It's I, I like know. You're watching Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, and, amazing. And most people would be like, I guess Stevie didn't want to play that guitar anymore. He was just, <laughs> it wasn't doing it for him. Yeah. You know, in the middle of a song, because yeah. they don't even realize that you broke you a string. All the strings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <Let's> see. <laughs> He'd be like dressed in a kimono. Oh my god. <laughs> That, was, those the early Stevie stuff of like '83. That there's a performance called "Live at the Elma Combo," mm-hmm. and you can you know, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. But man, it's like that from start to finish. And Stevie's, you know, I guess some of the drug days were happening at the time. Yeah, um, before he was clean. And that performance, start to finish, is just a masterpiece. Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the one of the best performances for guitar players for that genre of music that you could ever watch. You know, it's just his his raw emotion. Technique, feeling, everything—you know, just execution. He's just a monster. Now I can—that he- was eighty-three. I can hear some of him in you when you sing. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, I, I have no words. <laughs> it's very emotional for everybody. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I still can't believe you're wearing sure. my fucking show shirt with yeah. your name. I mean, I guess I can believe it. Well, you're the king of merch. I was at your uh, your yeah. first album release. Me, me and, you know, and <laughs> the king of merch. People. I literally sold one copy of that album. And you're I, welcome, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I released an album and then realized I was too embarrassed to plug it Okay. Like during, like I, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll sell them after shows to make extra money. Sure. But then I just, it was too embarrassing to get up there and be like, well, I'll be in the back and I have an album. I mean, like, I, I got it on Sirius and I got money, but not, I, I didn't get any money from me pushing it. And we, well, we, the one that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> we have to remind ourselves too. I'll put it on my set list. Yeah. Merch. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll go through the show and I'm like, having such a good time playing. Yes. And I'm not... I'm not a sales guy, but yeah, no. but you have to be. You know, it's like you got to wear forty thousand hats at this point yeah. as a musician. Sure, like sure. You, like you were saying earlier that I look happy when I'm on stage. I'm, I'm glad that you think of it that way because that's the time where I'm the most happiest. Because the rest of the part of the job, yes, yeah, is really miserable. It sucks. It's awful. It sucks. Either I'm driving, you know, or we're working on a promoting show, and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, all the stuff that you have to do nowadays because you know labels aren't doing that, and you know we're not on, we're not on a label. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Because that, what are they doing for you anyway? Besides, you just owe them money. Right. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's just nothing more than a loan. Yeah, you know, with interest, so you can get that from from the mafia if you want that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, good, I mean, good luck finding mafia in Homedale. Yeah, there used to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, in the eighties, we had know, we yeah, had on I either know. side of our, and yeah. they, they both went to jail. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah they went bye bye. <laughs> Uh, and it's tougher too with musician. You got to lug gear in and out constantly. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's you know the most, the best time for musicians is when you're on stage. That's that's what that's why yeah. you're there. That's why you're doing it. Hundred you know. percent. Same with comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get just that. miserable the the rest of the time. Sure, and you get you got to. Re- a lot of times I got to <laughs> remind myself. You know, even on like bad days, it's mm-hmm. like. 
man, I played a stadium with Bon Jovi. Life is good. Yeah. Like, why? What, what's wrong with me? You know, but you still go down that rabbit hole some days and you're like, man, this sucks. I got to do this. I don't want to do this. And, you know, it you're sucks just, when it feels like a job. It does. Yes. But then when you plug in does, and yeah. you can do what you were what singing, playing, telling jokes, whatever, when you can do that yeah. as a job, that's, that's awesome. That's when, you know, when you got into this, what were your wildest dreams? Like, what did you think? would be the absolute best thing that could that that you could do or or the highest mountain you could have climbed. I think it was two two venues, I guess at least is the way I equate it as being a live performer would be the art center, mm-hmm. which is PNC, I guess. Right. right. Yeah. To me it's always the art the center. The art center, yeah. 100%. Um and Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to play either. And I'm hoping at some point that, you know, but yeah, I played stadiums with Bon Jovi. So, yeah. so it does the art center really matter? Not you know? just like stadiums. You know, like stadiums but it's, in, it's your hometown. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I love Homedale. You know, I'm very fortunate to have grown mo- you know, most of my life in that town. You know, could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be from Homedale. Yeah. You know? What do you think it is about Central Jersey that has just spawned so many unbelievably talented musicians there's it's got to be the pizza (laughs) 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 i would say the water but we know the water's in the pizza that makes the pizza good yeah um who knows you know it's like definitely this area new jersey new york you know the tri-state area Mm -hmm. there's such competition and that's a great thing because it it forces you to work harder yeah you know when i would go see people play you know when i was younger and even still i want to go see someone who's better than me because yes. I, I want, yeah. I want that. In, I want someone to kick my butt and be like, I gotta go home and practice. Yeah, you know, even after all these years, like that's how I want to feel. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm actually gonna go see Phil X play tonight. Yeah, he's playing. Um, I don't know the band he's playing, in, but they're opening for Jeff Tate from Queensrÿche. Mm-hmm. And I was just chatting with him, and I'm like, dude, I can't wait to see you play. Because every time I see Phil when we were on stage together, he was kicking me in the butt. You know, it was great. I'm like I want that. I want, you know, that, that's a healthy thing. Yeah. And that, that's what I think this, this area had, still has to offer. There's so many great musicians, you know, because there is a good, healthy competition. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that makes I say that about starting comedy in New York City, too. It was like, it forced you to get, like, it forces yeah. you to sink or swim. Like, yeah. you're, you, you see, like, you're immediately thrown into the best of the best. And not only that, where we are, there's so many venue like even like Asbury there's eight venues you can play you know sure. as a comic or a whatever you're doing so if you're out in Indiana yeah there's two places yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on either end of the state you know we, we, we see it obviously touring a lot of these you know Jamian sized places in the mm-hmm. middle of Indiana or, or Kansas, you know, and a lot of people show up because there's not much else to do in town, right? You know, and it's 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 nice to be the bigger fish in a you know or small uh, bigger fish. big fish in a small oh, pond. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for a minute, you yeah. know, and then you get to L.A. and it's like, all right, here we are, back back to being nobody cares, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 all part of it. You know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. I imagine unless you're Bon Jovi level. Yeah, but even still, you know, there's always somebody better than you. Yeah, you know, and and, that, and that's a good thing. You know, I I, I used to be bummed because I, why don't I sound like this guy? You know, why don't I sound like Warren Haynes or why can't I sing like Paul Rogers? Right. You know? 
It's like, because yeah, I'm not them. Right, yeah. I'm not supposed to be them. Yeah. But, you know, but that inspiration keeps me going. Right. Sure. But that's also why they're so special is because, yeah. like, nobody can sing like Paul Rogers. No. No. I know. So it's, you know, that, that helps me keep going. And my wife does too. You know, God bless her. You know, she's, she's picked me up, you know, from the bottom of the barrel a couple of times, you know, not, not alcohol wise, but right. just emotionally of like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I've been there many times, you know, and it's a bad place to be when that's, that's what you love to do. Yeah. I you totally know, suggest alcohol. No, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the answer's right down here somewhere. <laughs> it's at the bottom. Does Erin write with you? She does, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And so she's always pushing me to write more, you know, because we'll get in our, our routine of, we got to get this done, I got to do this, got to, you know, crap, we didn't write any songs this week. We didn't yeah. even, you know, get a chance to, you know. I, I still teach guitar privately, so I'm still teaching, you know. Constantly, as much you as I can. You taught, um, did you teach uh, Springsteen's kid? Or I did. I like taught that? his son Sam for a long time. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how many people I've met through yeah. teaching that so and so knew this person because their dad works with him, or you know, yeah. And the amount of connections that I've stumbled upon, and not you know, non solicited. Right. He's a yeah. firefighter now, right? That's what he's doing. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. So I guess he wasn't that good. No. <laughs> Actually, you know, Sam. No, that's got to be. How, how do you go into music when you're Springsteen's son? That's that's got to be. It's it's almost a shame though, dude, because hanging with Sam. Yeah. He had he had such a natural ability for rhythm. Right. And hearing changes, and, and he knew what was good and what wasn't. At 13, 14 years old, fifteen years old, it's like he already knew that. So he just had a natural ability. I, you know, some people do. Passion. Or? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't. I guess being your, who your that's dad is. It's well, a, that's you, the bigger question. Know? Like, what does that feel like when Springsteen's like, "Hey, teach my kid," instead of oh, it was all, I mean, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Well, it's <laughs> a, it's good foresight to know that he's not going to learn from his dad. Like, you've sure. got that. You know, there's just your kids are wired to not do what you. Oh, that's true. Tell yeah. them. That's true. Yeah. Like, there's that great story with um, Ringo's kid. Zach Starkey yeah. and uh, when he was a kid he wanted to learn to play drums and Ringo knew enough that he couldn't teach him so he had Keith Moon give him lessons <laughs> Keith Moon was his drum teacher wow. and now you fast forward yeah. 30 years later he's the drummer in the who I know and he plays and he plays like Keith Moon it's amazing. He, yeah that's so cool since we mentioned the guitar center contest after they had announced that I won, my band at the time, they all mm -hmm. drove out to Chicago and met me out there. And they flew they flew all the competitors out. And uh, so we're in the audience, you know, B.B. King's on stage, and we're, you know, shots are flying like crazy because they've just won. And, and I got a voicemail, and it was, it was Patty. Oh, wow. Saying, hey, you know, we really, you know, our son really enjoyed his lesson with you because I knew his son's friend and that's and and Sam was at my student's house and that's how I met Sam so it was Patty leaving me a message saying hey can you come to our house and, and teach it was like you know great moment here I am yeah. winning this guitar center thing and you know, Patty Springsteen's calling. <laughs> By the way, you still got to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, that pretty much was that. And I'm like, I'll call her back. Yeah, yeah. Just, just give, me, give me a minute here. Yeah. Let me finish the shot. Oh, that's funny. That is great. <laughs> that's cool. What's the, what's the best blues concert you ever either saw or sat in with? Do you remember? Hmm. 
and and blue genre. Oh, it had to be. I saw BB King at the at Count Basie. Yeah. One January, and he had played the most guitar that I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. This is you know handful of years before he passed, so he was yeah, health was. I, I was at that show. Really? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, and he just pl- he played a lot of guitar that night, and I was there with the guy that I was studying guitar with. This guy named Bernie Browsweater had a band called BB and the Stingers, and and BB and I were just like just giggling like two school kids, and it was just such a great memory that I have with him. He had passed away um, of us watching BB King and like, oh my God, it's just he did that you know the thing with the thing you know. But that that was probably I think blues wise yeah yeah probably BB King I think yeah he'd put out that really good record not long before he like when he turned eight I think it was called eighty maybe and it was like all um, whole album was was songs sort of contemplating his mortality it was yeah Yeah. that was as good a, a that's the cool thing about the blues guys is that they can just do it till they drop I know and a lot of them have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have Which no is money. sad. Yeah. I know. It yeah. is. It is. But, I mean, well, it, it is, but it is. Yeah. yeah. Well. You, can only do, you can only do the blues until you're happy. <laughs> I guess that's a really excellent point. <laughs> and, you know, not to put a more morbid spin, you know, Stevie Ray finally found real happiness with sobriety and everything else. Yeah. And God was like, all right, you're done. Yeah, you know, it's like, it seems like it goes. It, it seems like that's how it happens a lot. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Kinnison. Yeah. Kinnison finally got his life together and sure. was sober, and then a fucking drunk driving kid took him out. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Stupid. Yeah. Well, you have nothing to worry about because you're never gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe in you. I just know you're never gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> you've also you've opened for Buddy Guy. I have, yeah, and and, uh, and played with them too. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that was great too. And that's got to be like when you get that, when when you think of when Buddy Guy was a young musician yeah. and all the guys he played with, and and you start getting that first degree of yep, I know Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and amazing, yeah. You know, and we 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 I was in Chicago with David Bryan, and he went out to go see some friends play, and he's like, hey, you want to come with me? I got a private charter yeah i'll go to chicago yeah. why not and we were at the dinner and i'm like looking at my phone i'm like you know legends is like two blocks that way we should really just pop in and see the place i, I had never been to legends i don't think prior to that anyway so we walk in and he was on stage his buddy buddy looks over at david it's like hey david and that was it and we started chatting and i think we got on stage that night not with buddy but with his son and then buddy's like i'm gonna be in new york in two weeks why don't you guys come over and you know, BB Kings and, and sit in with us, and 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 Buddy calls us up on stage, and Buddy's like, I'd like to bring up a couple people from Bon Jovi, and it was his crickets, because <laughs> we're in a blues club, and yeah. like, we're like Bon Jovi in a blues show <laughs> with Buddy Guy, like it was crickets, yeah, and you know, in New York, you know, people don't think twice about telling you, to yeah, screw yeah. off, so oh, yeah, we walk on a stage, and it was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, don't screw this up, you know, and we. <laughs> Jumped into a blues tune and that the place went crazy. You know, like, yeah. they, they didn't expect that. They didn't know what to expect. Right. From Isn't that cool you know, though? Watching like winning people over yeah. in real time. Yeah. Seeing it, seeing it happen. It was awesome. I saw a Buddy Guy. He he said one of the funniest things to a heckler I've ever seen. I was at um this concert was absolutely amazing. It was it was supposed to be Hubert Sumlin's 
80th birthday concert. Okay. So Hubert Sumlin's a great yep. guitar player. It's like out of Newark, I think. I think yeah, he, he played with um, Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And he died just shy of his 80th birthday, yeah. so they changed it into a memorial concert, and it was at the uh. Apollo Theater. And it was insane. It was like Warren Haynes, yeah. uh, Derek uh, Trucks, and Susan. I can never pronounce her last name. Susan. Susan Tedeschi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elvis Costello, David Johansson, Keith Richards, wow. Eric Clapton, Buddy Guy, Gary Clark Jr. Like Everybody. it was. Yeah. It was just absolutely insane. And when Buddy came out for his song, he's he's doing his thing, and some. Some fucking Nimrod kept yelling out, play the guitar, buddy, play that guitar. And he let him do it like two or three times. And then Buddy finally looks up and goes, what the fuck do you think I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it shut the guy right. He never, you know, wow. and then you didn't hear the guy the rest of the night. And then it was part of me was like, oh, it's it's actually kind of nice to see musicians having to deal with that bullshit. Oh, also. yeah, that happens. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> Especially when they think they're helping you in some way. Yeah, they're not. You know, they're definitely not. Just enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. Freebird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wrote that song. What um? What other songs you wish you wrote? Is there like a? Hmm. You have a favorite song that you go back to? Well, we we've been doing a uh, half and half show. Over the last year, I guess, kind of started maybe a year and a half ago, of doing half of the show, Metal Reband originals, and the other half of the show doing Led Zeppelin mm -hmm. covers, and doing you know trying to do them as much justice as we possibly can without it being you know a full on Led Zeppelin tribute band, yeah, or something like that. But um, our drummer really sounds like Bonham, yeah, and that's really what sets that foundation because it doesn't sound right. No matter what you do, it'll never sound right without the right drummer. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of like a no-brainer after we got into it. It was like, actually, this is fun. Like I've always wanted to play these songs anyway, and my wife sings most of them, and she can sing all the high notes. No yeah. problem. You know. So um, playing some of those Led Zeppelin songs, like those are the ones that I'm like, man, I wish I wrote that song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Stairway is still top of my list too I wish I wrote yeah. that you know it's, it's, even you know the running joke in any music store is don't play stereo to heaven yeah. but when when we do it on stage it's like I can only imagine how great it must have been for them who wrote it yeah. playing it you know in 1977 Madison Square Garden and it, at least we get a chance to you know live some of that vibe for a minute you know on yeah. stage and it's, it's fun for us to do that show and for audiences there's it's not like Led Zeppelin's gonna come through town and you can uh -huh. see them do it like you really are keeping the music alive we, we, for we people so. who have maybe never seen that song done live sure absolutely and yeah we're, we pick a lot of the obscure obscure ones yeah. too because that's because we're musicians we don't want to do the most obvious too right. right but but we're still hitting you know some other hits you know, and it's it's a real fun show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, how hard are those songs to play? And that's the other part. Like even you know, up there playing them. Like God, I hope I don't screw up this next part. You know, it's like I wonder if anybody in the audience even realizes how difficult it is at this moment for us to make it sound like this. Yeah. 
because it's it's a it's a lot of work to really get the parts to be right, mm-hmm. trying to get the tones to be right, you know, and the signature drum fills to all to be there, you know. But we're still playing it, you know, like Aaron's still singing it with her inflections of of her influences of Robert Plant, but she's not Robert Plant. Nobody right. is. So, right. You know, so there, there's there's always going to you know be that little bit of. It's still matter reband playing yeah. Led Zeppelin songs. Right. We hope you know we're, we're not a tribute band. We're, at, we're just doing at it for the same fun. Token, it's such it's usually such a well known song. Anyone would pick it out if there was something. Oh sure, on it, you know, especially you know Stairway to Heaven. It's like I, I grab a few of the the primo licks that he did live. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the solo, it's note for note for yeah. that song. I'm not deviating from nothing, right? Because you can't. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't. I would never think that I could play something that was better than that. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, I don't. I don't even think Robert Plant is Robert Plant, and like, I, I actually respect him for Highly. not getting Zeppelin back together and, yeah. and just doing cash grabs, yep. he, knowing that he can't hit those notes. And he's. I actually think that the solo work he's doing right now is is the best solo work of his career. I think so too. And he he's found a great band, and yeah. he's you know it's like it doesn't matter how much money they throw at him. I, I actually respect that he's that he's not trotting out. Uh, yeah. No, know, yeah. a, a diminished version, sure. right? Definitely not. Yeah, you know, which is great. I mean, we, my wife and I saw him la- uh, two years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the most surreal thing. You know, the lights go down and the backdrop is lit up, so you see just these silhouettes of of players coming out on stage, and then there's that pause, and then you just see the silhouette of Robert Plant, and you know it's him. And after all these years, like I never got a chance to see Zepp when I was too young. Yeah, you know, and like, oh my God, this is really happening. Like he's, he's there. Like he's he's in front of me. Like he's that's holy crap, you know. And he came out and started what is and what should never be. And it was like the place just came unglued. You know? Yeah. And and he did a, such a cool version. Like all the songs were, the Zeppelin songs they did do. They did a completely different arrangement yep. of them. And yeah. They were so artistic, and it was it was just amazing. And they're that's amazing. so cool to hear you get excited. I mean, even being in the business, doing it. You know, four nights a week or whatever, yeah. and then you could still go see somebody else and just be like, it's "Amazing! I can't believe this." And and you see yeah. them as a fan again, right? Oh like God, it's yeah. like for, I know I'm watching sorry. watching comedy. If I'm just watching a special of someone I don't care that much about, um, I, I can't watch it as a fan. I'm thinking about I'm I'm watching it like I've got the comedian yeah, yeah. hat. And yep. I'm like, oh, that's not how I would have done that. Or sure. I don't know 100%. why that doesn't yeah. seem finished. Why did they do it like that? But then you see somebody that you just absolutely love. Like you go see a Gilbert Gottfried or somebody like that. Yeah. And you're just, you're like a fan again. You, yep. 100%. Yeah. yeah which, that, which is you a cool feeling. You want to be in a chair, feet swinging and <laughs> peanut butter. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out what's coming next. No. I'm, I don't yeah. care how they did it. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. There was one spot in the show where Robert Plant's ability and timing, much like jokes too, yeah. you know, the way he sings things is so completely unique. Unless you sing, you don't really understand it, you know, or analyze vocals to understand it. There was one part in the show, and I'm like, he is never going to get out of this verse and get to the cor- back to the chorus in time with all those words I, yeah. I knew were coming up. It was the Zeppelin tune. Yeah. And son of a bitch, he did it. And I, I don't, I don't know how he did it. I was, I, it blew my mind. Yeah. 
And it was like, how did he finish all those did, words and, and everything keep was keep it in time and, and, yeah, perfectly? And and every word was so crystal clear. It's like his diction was was in, impeccable. Right. He's, and he still made it in time. Like, like it was like. Because I, I looked at Aaron, I'm like, he's, he's not going to make it. That's what I said. And then he, I'm like, holy shit, he did. I, like, how did he do that? Like, then she, she's just, you know, she was cry, crying practically. Yeah. Because it, it was that moving that he was that un, unbelievable Man. still. You know? I wonder if it's something he does to, like, challenge himself a little bit. You know, like, maybe he's almost so bored with... Probably. Yeah, that, yeah. that like, I watched... Um, there's a White Stripes documentary. Yeah. Uh, there's a great White Stripes documentary, and Jack White's talking about how he has to put challenges into the show for him to, to keep him honest. Okay. So, like he said, he doesn't keep picks taped to the guitar around the stage, and if he drops it, he's he's got to run back to get one. Or wow. he'll put he'll he'll move the mic like if he's running from an instrument from one instrument to play the next he, he he'll move them further apart to to make it a little bit more of a run and a little bit more of a challenge and okay. if a guitar break if a string breaks he, he'll he'll play through wow. you know and um i don't That's know cool. yeah I, I just wonder and like i almost do like i almost take that approach with comedy not that you have equipment to worry about but just it's you, you to go up your toes and yeah, just yeah. go up without a set, you know. Just like I like I'll say, I know I want to close, open with this and close with this, and then whatever I'll I'll feel out I'll feel out the rest. Sure. I mean, we our, our big shows are usually scripted with a set list, you sure. know. But like some of the smaller ones, we usually don't. And sometimes it comes off great, and other times I'm like. Hey, what do you guys want to play? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, and there's like dead air between songs. I'm like, ah, that's not good. You know? <laughs> tell, tell Ken your pick story that you're. Uh, just, <laughs> we were chatting in the parking lot about Bon Jovi stories, and, you know, I can share some things, and other, mm -hmm. other things are obviously confidential. Right, of course. Those tours and. Of course. Contract wise and whatnot. So, uh, so, you know, hanging with Phil again, like, Phil turned into be like my big brother kind of thing, you know. Uh, you know, being a little bit older and obviously more, even more experienced, and been with Bon Jovi for a while, playing stadiums. So, I see him go out to the edge of the stage, and he flicks a pick, you know, from his hand, and this thing sails, you know, 400 feet. It's like, holy crap! I can't believe. It. And goes over the security barrier and goes into the audience, and a bunch of people, you know, girls, are screaming. I got his pick. You know, they're all happy, and you know, well, that I don't, they were speaking foreign language. I don't know right. what they were saying, but so I'm like. All right, I guess it's my turn, you know. So I get the guts to go to the end of the stage, and I throw the guitar pick, and I could throw it pretty good, but it was like whoop whoop, and went right, right, went right into the into the, the security pit, and the people pressed up against the the, the gate, you know, were like they, they were so disappointed because they like they looked over the gate and saw the pick, and like, there was no way they could get it. And I was just like, oh. Wow. Well, yeah, wow. it was such the anti-rock you know, moment for me. I was like, oh, that's really it. funny. <laughs> well, next time I'll get Just it. Just a bit outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. So you played all over the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tel Aviv, Indonesia, 
a bunch of other places <laughs> with, with John, and then I've I've done stuff with the Blues Brothers too. Uh, we were uh, an opening act for the Blues Brothers band. Yeah, um, we did Italy and Greece together, and that, that was great. And we did Memphis together too, um, and then I did England, Scotland, and Wales with my, our own band. So, but of course, the best shows you know were the Bon Jovi stuff because of the magnitude of that. Sure. And, yeah. Who's left in the in the Blues Brothers? Dan Aykroyd. Uh, he wasn't well, there. He was not there when I was there. They oh, had, really? They had two guys that that did the the fronting of the band, but Steve Cropper was still there. Um, Blue Lou was still there. Blue Lou Marini was still there. Yeah, and uh, and Mr. Donald Fabulous Duck? Uh, Duck was not there. No. He was still alive still at the alive. time. Yeah, he's dead now. He, oh, is he? He did okay. pass away. Yeah, and uh, the Italy and Greece tour that we did, Mr. Fabulous. No kidding. Alan Rubin was yeah. there. And Alan was the funniest son of a bitch. We were hanging out in the pool. Yeah. And he was telling stories of Saturday Night Live, 70s stuff. And it's just absolutely hysterical. And and then he said, at the, I never forget, it was the last time I talked to him. I think it was one of the last shows. And then he died not long after that. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know he was sick. I don't think he knew he was sick. But he's like, man, he looks, looks at us young musicians. And he goes, I don't envy you guys at all. And yeah. I was just like... Well, that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> and because he, and, he got real serious for a moment in the pool, and he was like, "When I was younger, you know, the, there was you could make a living playing music." Yeah. Because I don't, I, I feel bad for you guys. I, I hope you guys find, you know, some financial stability yeah. somewhere along the line. You know, kind of. It was a sad moment, but it was yeah. it was nice hearing it from an older musician like that. Yeah. yeah for that sure. like, hey, this is what you guys are up against. I hope you know what you're in for. You, you know, know, it's I, funny you say that because I asked when David Bryan was in, I asked him that. I said, yeah. do you feel bad for the young rock bands coming up? And he said no because there's still so many avenues to get their music out. You sure. can you can you can put something on YouTube and it can get a billion streams. And I know. I was like, yeah, but that gets you like forty dollars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. It doesn't. It, it yeah, unfortunately like, doesn't equate yeah, financially. The, the days of selling records are over. Yep. The days of multi-million dollar advances are over. And, I know. And you can only make money touring. really touring and because of COVID that, you know, yeah. right now we're all in, in a heap of trouble because we're, you know, we're scraping by. You know? Yeah. We, we, we've been doing tours with bike rallies. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like bikers give two craps about yeah, they don't. what's going on in the world. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not, but at least, Hey, I know that they're paying us yeah. and the money's there and the and money, you, the you money's have, always good. You so. have to make a living. And we got to keep playing. So and by the way, just we, got back from Sturgis. Yeah. yeah we were out there. How yeah. cool is that. Yeah, and they're they're ride. they're breaking records during COVID. They're it, they're almost that's almost like defiant where they're like sure, and you know it's like you know, it's not not for me to figure out one way. Yeah, you know, for health and safety and political nonsense that's going on. Yeah, right. I just want to play music. Yeah. and make some money. So. So we're, we're, you know, I guess we're all taking a chance going out there, yeah. but you know, it's either that or we sit home and we can't afford to do that either. Right. You know, so here we are. Yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll be down in, in uh, Biketoberfest too in Daytona next month. Very cool. Oh, nice. Um, what I wanted to ask you when, because I know how like our brains work on stage. Yeah. When you're on stage, are you, if you're in the middle of a song, are you? in your head in the middle of that song? Are you in that moment? Or are you already two, three songs ahead? Usually a couple of songs ahead. Yeah. But it could be like the Zeppelin stuff, because bringing that up again, because it's just fresh yeah. in my mind. Some of those songs, it's like, oh crap, you know, I am reading, you know, an iPad 
you know, yeah. with with some handwritten notes of you know, play this two times and don't do that, you know, because Zeppelin's you know arrangements of some of their songs like Cashmere, it's like okay, well the second half of Cashmere is slightly different than the first half of Cashmere. If I don't pay attention to where we're we're at, yeah. I don't want to screw up the song. So in those moments, I'm right there in that song. Yeah. But most of the other stuff, even our own stuff, because we've been playing it so much, and even our brand new originals, I'm usually a couple of songs ahead. I'm thinking, yeah. Or I'm like, wow, I can't wait to get a shot and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the fun part of the night. I know. But I mean, and then, you know, like even with the Bon Jovi stuff, it was like, I'm going to enjoy every second of this. Yeah. Because I don't know how long this is going to be for me. And I only got hired for the one tour, right. you know, but it was like every show we did, it was like every moment. Just soak it up. Oh, my God. Oh, that's such a great attitude. Especially when I was, a, was a, one spot in Wanna Dead or Alive that I didn't have to play anything. So I was able to sit there and look at the all the camera phones up with the lights, and I'm like, I'm finally on this side of the fence. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, all this, all these years, I've been praying to be on in the audience. You know, there was one show I saw in '89. I saw Bon Jovi, Skid Row, and Billy Squire. Mm-hmm. Nobody had any idea who Billy Squire was at, the, at even at that moment. Yeah. I mean, people did, but it wasn't like, oh my God, it's Billy Squire. To me, it was like. I love Billy Squire. Yeah, yeah. Great drummer. I mean, his band was phenomenal. So I saw a great show, and and I never got a chance to tell, tell John this, but I was, you know, what, 17 years old in the audience watching John, and John's doing this nice little speech from the stage saying, hey, you know, follow your dreams, follow your passions, look what I did, you know, and I completely took his whole thing to heart. Never thinking that all those years later I'm yeah. going to be playing in the band with him, right? And not looking at the cigarette lighters from the audience side, looking at that from the stage side, but with him, you know, it was like I sucked up every second Nuts. I could possibly get, you know? yeah. Because I, because I was also another pressure cooker, like, oh my god, this song, oh shit, what happens? And I hope it, oh, do I remember the next part? Like, I, you know, your brain's just going a thousand different directions. But the times that I could, you know, relax for a second and mm-hmm. enjoy that was was the greatest thing ever. Now, what happens in your head? You get that call, hey, uh, hey, Matt, it's me, it's John, John <laughs> going on tour. Uh, you want to come? Like, that's. You almost said it verbatim. He called me. I'm sitting on my condo door stoop talking to my neighbor, and this is after the audition and whatnot. And John's like, "All right, we'll, we'll let you know," you know. And then John calls, and I was like, uh, "Well, hold on." You know, <laughs> you know, I gotta take that. <laughs> hey, John. He goes. He goes. Hey, brother. You know. You know. You still want to go on tour? And I'm like, "My my bags are already packed." And he's like, "Welcome, welcome aboard." How cool! And it was just like I can't believe I heard those words. Yeah, yeah. You know, holy shit! Oh, that's you know, wild. It's amazing. Now, how Especially old? Especially from someone him, like him. He's the greatest, one of the greatest performers in the world. Yeah. You know, into his music or not into his yeah. music. Yeah. Like he's just he's an amazing entertainer. Yeah. You know, it was another moment too that I always like to share. It was, you know, one of my one of the songs came up where I had my solo. You know, and it's like. I was cool enough to John for to even give me a solo, right? You know, because I thought I was really replacing Bobby, yeah, filling in for Bobby Bandiera, and Bobby had a couple of solos, but John was like, "Hey, when your solo comes up, make sure you're at the edge of the stage. You know, don't go out by me, because that's my place. But stay, you know, come out here. And yeah, I'm like, wow, he's giving me a chance to even be." You know, center stage for a second. You yeah. know? So anyway, my solo comes up and I get out there and I give it an almighty hell, everything I had. And I open my eyes and, and I see 50,000 people all looking that way. 
because they're looking at John. Right. And I'm like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. How did he do that? Yeah. You know, that was like an incredible lesson. Like, John is that much of an entertainer that everybody in the stadium is glued to him. They don't care about my solo. Right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, that, like, how do you do that? Like, that's what I want to know. Wait, yeah. is that the you guy know? that couldn't throw a pick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we heard about him. <laughs> it's all over the message boards. Um, so how old are you when you're like... You're playing guitar for a couple of years, and when does it click that, wow, I can do this? I can really do this? Uh, not when when you easy. got fired from O-Photo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I quit that job. <laughs> um, no, it was, I mean, it was kind of early on, because I started when I was 13, and um, you guys knew my buddy Mark Costello. Did you run into him? I don't know. At Secret Stash at all? I oh. see his face. Um, Cajuna, you know Mark? Marco. The name Marco. Marco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We didn't yeah. call him Mark. Yeah, no, no, which, we didn't call him Mark. I, I yeah. grew up with him from seventh grade all the way yeah. up, you know, and we all know he sadly passed away. So um, Mark was the big inspiration for me, besides that Hendrix record, yeah. to play guitar. His dad was vice president for Kramer Guitar Factory. Oh, wow. No kidding. And that was in the heyday of Eddie Van Halen. And yeah, sure. Being in high school, and Mark's, you know, comes to school with a broken arm. He's got his cast signed by Van Halen. Oh, and it was like, wow. It was like the coolest I'm thing. i break my arm, too. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. Can you get Eddie to sign my arm? Yeah. Break, my, I'll break my leg. Yeah. I'll my head. Break my other arm and get Alex's. Yeah, no, and, and yet, Eddie, yeah. Eddie. Oh, that's wild. Eddie, Alex, and I think Michael Anthony. I don't think Dave was at the, stu- at the factory that day. Yeah. It happened to be they were. They stopped by the factory and they signed his cast. Wow. So, you know, because of Mark, you know, that inspired. So it was early on that I, I knew that that's what I wanted to yeah. do. Oh, and that's I, great. And I thought I felt like I had a knack for it. But it's like, it, it, even if you have a knack for it, it's just hours and hours and hours, you know, to, to, to get better at it. Yeah, it really you know? is like that 10,000 hours. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, when I met, it was never, since I saw you for the first time, it was never a question of, you know, if it was just a question of when. Oh, thanks. All right, we are we're getting the wrap up sign. Okay, but what? Uh, where can everybody find you? I know you have some shows coming up in yes. the area. Yeah, we do. Uh, this Saturday we're at the uh, it's the Point Pleasant Seafood Festival. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what they call it. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> we're going to be playing all day from noon to 7 p.m. Nice. It's a whole day with special guests sitting in with us. Uh, and then next, the Saturday after that, the 20. Look at my phone here. Wait, I had it up for you. Saturday, uh, the twenty fifth. We're playing at the Hopewell Theater, Hopewell, New Jersey. That's the half uh, MLB original set, mm-hmm. and the other half Led Zeppelin show. Awesome. Uh, but our, our website's the easiest way to find us: mattoreband.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, all our social media is at Matt O'Ree. Um, and then uh, you know, look for us on tour too. If you're down in Florida, you know, yeah. we'll be down at Biketoberfest. Yeah, awesome. yeah, definitely. Well, I hope you had fun. I had I'd love blast. to get you. I Thank feel you. like that hour flew by. I'd love to get you back in at some point for sure. some more stories. I, I got plenty of uh, yeah. well, perverted stories. Next time he's going to bring a guitar. Yes, I do. Maybe yeah. a wife, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Chris, thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> You're welcome here anytime. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in to I Love Rock and Roll, and we'll be back next week. 